All right, so I want to kind of have a brief discussion about, and it won't be brief, but I'll just say that, <laughs> a brief discussion about interracial kids in this time, all right? Interracial relationships, interracial kids, and so on during this time, all right? Now, there's a concept that is not just a concept, it's a reality, that black women are under attack on different fronts. They ain't marrying as much. They're getting kidnapped more. They face crazier challenges in the workplace and so on. And I feel sorry for my sisters. I mean, because if I'm to be honest, I'm part of the problem too. I've dated a plethora of people of different races, but right now, baby moms is white, which is already tension, there's already tension there too, in that sense. Because I'm like, because as you get older, I'm still young, but as you get older, you realize that, fuck, this doesn't like, this isn't addressing, how do you say? As you get older, you realize that there's certain experiences that you have that is only understood by but by someone whose skin matches yours. For the most part. Everybody has a different experience. Black people aren't a monolith, so on and so forth. But, like if there's a mirror white person who had a similar life path as mine, then I would, you know, share more in common with them. But, the truth is, in general, black people will understand they struggle more because there's that aspect of systemic racism. So that can't be ignored or avoided. And so now we've got all these interracial relationships which are gonna be, which are gonna be scrutinized hard. You're gonna be seen as coonish for, you know, not marrying within the race. The interracial kids are gonna have their own struggles. I mean, take the average black Scotian, for example. They ain't, and I lived in New Brunswick, I lived close to, I lived in an area where there was in fact a community of blacks. A lot of them aren't, a lot of them look light-skinned, they some of them got blue eyes. They're black, but there's a, there's a history there which infers a lot of white people were involved in back in the day. Whether they had them as slaves or they were sleeping with them, whatever. But, oh, fucking trucks, man. Okay, stop. Nope, didn't stop. But the truth is, these kids coming up now have to face their identity as someone of two races. So on one hand, they may get to 
they may get to experience white privilege insofar as they're light-skinned, but then they'll also never truly be considered white because they are, they have black blood. Now, Generation Z and Beyond is working hard to eradicate all of that shit. But till this day, you still got, Alua Toyin was, was referencing this. She didn't articulate it in the way I'm about to say it, but she was referencing this, the division, all right? That division has to be dealt with by Gen Z. Gen Z has to deal with all that colorism and all that shit that's plaguing us. They're already an sort of an interracial like, well, there were some stats years ago that were like, oh yeah, most people in the world will be brown by a certain point. Which makes you wonder what this, this race, quote unquote, it's not a race war, I mean, fuck. <laughs> but it's like, it's propped up like that, but it's a war on racism specifically. Because even though we may all be brown at some point, we're not all brown now. So, what does that mean? It means that we gotta, for now, address this shit. It'll be generations before it ends. Let's be clear. We're not ending several hundred years of, of, of fuck shit now. It's not like, oh, 2020, we changed everything. No, it'll be like 2020 to 20, 40, and then maybe 2050, 20, definitely by 2060, but but right now, we're still that we're still that war. Right now, I'm walking in with some. Remember the beach, actually. I wasn't gonna go, but I'm gonna. I just turned left and go to the beach. Not how much battery either. Fuck. Anyway, there's um. By 2060, you're gonna see the eradication of um. What we call racism and discrimination and bigotry. And those of you who don't study history and just kind of live more in the moment, all of these things happening now with the LGBTQ community are part of that. So what's happening there with them is a lot of it's the precursor to what's gonna come down the line. If they get rights, well, in some cases they've, they've had their rights revoked, but in general, if they have some more rights, and look how long that took. So, what we're fighting for now is that we, that we pretended, you see this is the thing. You have, you had Obama, okay? Which created an, an aspect of complacency amongst black people fighting for their shit. And, and this is why this U.S.-Canada divide thing is an illusion more than anything. Because black people here like got complacent. They're like, oh, there's a black president. So up here, no, that's <laughs> not how it works. We're now seeing, I say whatever happens in the U.S. in general, we're a decade behind. But because of tech and social media, that timeline has actually been shortened. 
So, and I think it's, I think, I think the George Floyd scenario flattened that completely. <laughs> completely. Because we're now literally not just in parallel. We're like, a shooting happens in the US, which gets a lot more press. Something happens up here. Regis, Chantal, Chiefs, and uh, DeAndre, and countless others you won't hear about. Because Canada is good at sweeping the shit under the rug to maintain the image of, oh, nothing ever happens here. I've always had this theory that there's way more murders in Ottawa than we ever acknowledge in the crime rates statistical sense because we want Ottawa to seem like it's safe. On any given night you can get fucking got out here. It's very, it's very obvious. The difference is we don't have as much um, arbitrary like random crime. It's always just warring factions. But it's happening. It's happening. Anyway. So we got complacent too. But Jagmeet Singh is, the, is like the Obama of, of um, Canada. If he wins in the next election. He lost last time. He's still there. They didn't kick him out. And as apolitical as I generally am, I support that party because it's the party with the most on paper ideals that I can get behind. I don't agree with everything, but you don't have to. You just gotta deal with them in general. I'm gonna do some shit I haven't done in a while. I'm gonna go up this hill. got out of shape for a bit, so we're gonna try this hill. But anyway, the point is, Jagmeet Singh is representative of a new wave, and he's young too, which helps. So we're seeing the generational shift take place. We got a Gen Xer who's, in a lot of ways, more of a Gen Yer. And then we got Gen Zers who are like foot soldiering it out here. You got Gen Yers who are half foot soldiering it, half, you know, just doing things on the administrative level. And, you know, I look back at my own experiences working in these fields since like, well, 2012, but 2016 was when I got more, a bit more of a, it was more organized a bit. And it didn't seem to have any impact at the time. Like, there was no evidence that anything was happening. They produced a million reports, nothing happens. But, but what do you know? Now we're in a, per now we're in a climate where all this shit has to matter. You can't just produce reports. Your reports gotta lead to something. Some of the elders are good at that. You know an elder who, he managed to secure a bunch of hotels for the Syrian refugees before they were doing that for COVID. He managed to secure a bunch of apartments for Syrian refugees before, you know, 
everything jumped off. So we're fighting a different kind of a fight here, but you know, we're foot soldiering it. We're foot soldiering it the best way we know how. So I guess all that shit was, was to say basically that we're going to see these shifts happen in real time and you gotta be on board, otherwise you'll be left behind. All you racists will be left behind, <laughs> if not eliminated. All right, peace.